0: Hey, this is Carrie Murdoch with Practical E-commerce. The market for buying and selling e-commerce companies interests us and certainly the owners of those businesses. To bring us up to date, I reached out to Mark Doust. Mark is the founder of Quietlight. It's a leading e-commerce M&A firm, and here's that interview. It's The State of E-commerce M&A at the end of 2023. Well, Mark, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. It's hard to believe it's been a year since we had one of these conversations, Mark. Uh, this time last year, we were discussing the state of the e-commerce acquisitions market, and it's 12 months later, here we are again. <laughs>
1: I know. It's amazing how fast <laughs> this all, all moves.
0: Yeah, right. So tell us, of course, your firm, Quiet Light, is a leading e-commerce Mergers and Acquisition Firm. So what's 2023 been like for the market, buying and selling e-commerce companies?
1: Yeah, I think the theme of the year has really been more of the same. <laughs> it's, it's been fairly flat across the year from the, the year prior. And uh, for those that, that may not have heard the interview from last year, I'll just give a you know, kind of quick overview as to what we experienced. Good. The pandemic was for our industry, very, very good, For as for a lot of e-commerce businesses. Uh, and we also had the aggregators, which were companies that had raised funds specifically to combine Amazon businesses into one entity. That combined with the pandemic made for an extremely potent soup, <laughs> if you would. Uh, that was very good for the acquisitions marketplace. And during the middle of last year, we saw that slowed down on both fronts. The pandemic spending started to, to dwindle and the aggregator rush started to level off and, and slow down. And so we saw, last year we saw a pullback from where 2021 was and then this year and starting around last year, so about the last 18 months, it's been fairly steady, fairly flat and even no real big changes that, that I've, I've seen. Maybe a very slight cooling of the market, but uh, nothing, nothing too alarming. Certainly not the whiplash style changes that we saw from 2019 to 2021, which was uh, whiplash in the other direction.
0: <laughs> I think I remember last year, Mark, you expected, I think the term, if I'm remembering correctly, you, you kind of anticipated the market to return back to normal, I think is how you phrased it, versus 2021, which you viewed as somewhat abnormal. Am I remembering that correctly? You
1: are, and I've I've gone back to this point several times, especially for those who started to pay attention to this market when the aggregators stepped up. That was such an abnormal market; it was so incredibly red hot. And I've often used the analogy that you know, if you go really fast on a highway in a car, when you return to normal speed, it feels slow. <laughs> and a lot of people had that sense with the marketplace. But looking at this historically, I've, I've been doing this since 2007 the market that we're in right now i would put right in that normal range or maybe a little bit down from normal but not by anything that would be alarming by any means just a slightly cooled market from what normal would be so yeah i think i'm glad i'm being consistent because that is actually where i think the market has been over the past year uh, and r- really 18 months
0: can you tell us some examples that come to mind some acquisitions or sales that you've worked on can you Describe those to us, kind of the company size and what the multiples were of those acquisitions.
1: Sure, absolutely. We've had the opportunity to do, obviously we'll keep uh, information on the specific companies anonymized. uh, Of course. uh, Mm -hmm. But we've had a number of fun deals and and good deals done over the last year within the e-commerce space. Some of the ones that have stood out to me, um, one in particular was selling uh, patriotic gear, T-shirts, you know, d- different things, wearables, clothing, things of, of that nature. And that, that sold for a, uh, a pretty healthy multiple around a four time uh, multiple. Took a while. It was a larger deal. That was a, a mid seven figure size deal. But that was one of the wa- ones in particular that stood out last year. Hmm. Apparel continues to be, you know, overall pretty strong. I'm just looking over our list of uh, some uh-huh. of the deals that we did over the past 12 months, and a number of them come from apparel. And then we look at other uh, things such as the sports and also the hobby niches. They, they continue to do well. I think what's interesting when we look at strong markets versus down markets, the popular niches don't change all that much, right? Mm-hmm. Consumables. So teas, coffees, makeup, uh, cosmetics, things that where, where you're, you can get that and tape or you can get people, uh, if you're not on Amazon, when you're on Shopify store, you can get people on that subscription or you know they're going to be coming back. Those are always popular. And then again, those hobby niches to be so popular, and when I say hobby niches, I'm thinking uh, you know cats and dogs. That's such a passion area, and then you get into the other types of hobbies where you know games and things that people become so passionate about, and they get involved in it. You know, as part of their identity. So those always have a strong buyer market uh, out
0: there. That makes sense. When you say four times, that's four times EBITDA, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I said this last year too, Kerry. I, the, the multiple discussion is one that anyone listening needs to be careful of, especially when they hear uh, any M&A advisor speak about this, because we calculate them in different ways. Okay. At our firm at Quiet Light, we never include inventory or working capital as a part of that. So our, our multiples look lower than what others might be quoting when they're throwing inventory and everything else in that calculation. So yes, that one was in that 4X plus, not including inventory uh, on that. That was a larger deal. And mm-hmm. so those tend to have higher multiples associated with them as well.
0: Do you see a difference? Uh, you mentioned Amazon aggregators, that market having cooled. Do you see a difference in demand between, say, an Amazon-focused business versus a uh, just a, you know, kind of a branded e-commerce website? That's a really good question.
1: Um, I think Amazon is the expectation <laughs> by a lot of the people in the acquisition space. But what happens here, and anytime we get into these discussions as to is this a good category or not, or is this type of business or is this style good or not? And what happens is the the process of identifying the buyers is really about identifying the subset of buyers that, that are going to be a good fit for your business. And so the answer is yes. Being off Amazon appeals to a number of buyers who don't want to be operate on Amazon or are looking for businesses that they can also port over to Amazon. Mm-hmm. and So whenever we list something such as Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, what have you, mm-hmm. there's a subset of buyers that are very excited about that. There's less supply of those types of businesses available for sale, and so it's a little harder for them to find those businesses. But I would never come at this with, oh, that part is a detraction from value versus an addition to, to value,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because uh, you still get that critical mass of buyers that you need to be able to support a good
0: price. Makes sense. Shift gears briefly. The artificial intelligence hit us all heavily this year. Chat GPT took the world by storm. Do you see any <laughs> any impact at all on those technologies one way or the other as it relates to e commerce MA? You
1: know the answer's boring? Not really. Yeah? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I expected well, a lot more.
0: That's that's probably good. <laughs>
1: You know, I think when it comes to a lot of the AI, you know, I've been fascinated as have so many other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's So much promise, but not a lot of it has lived up to the where the applicable parts of the technology are really, really being seen and felt. And I also think e-commerce is a space that has some protection from maybe the threats of AI as well. You know, where we are seeing it would obviously be in the tools that e-commerce business owners might be using and you know, tools to be able to optimize uh, listings. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we've all been using AI tools whenever we're using the uh, optimization from Amazon's ad platform or any other ad platform that yeah. uh, yeah. utilizes AI on the back end. Mm-hmm. So as far as helping you know, the business owners and the e-commerce operators operate better, that's where we're seeing it in the M&A space. It has not really impacted it all that much. In other spaces that we operate in, for example, we do a lot with content-based websites, that's been impacted more. And we have seen some softness in that marketplace because of it.
0: I asked you this question last year. I'll pose it to you again uh, kind of a hypothetical for our listeners, of course, merchants, mainly SMB merchants. Say I'm a, I am ai own a business on, you mentioned big commerce. I'm on big commerce. Maybe I'm on a few other channels, but principally selling through my own side. I sell some sort of physical product. I do around $3 million a year in revenue, and I'm thinking about trying to sell it. What should I be doing, and what should I be expecting right now?
1: Sure. Well, the first advice I always give in this situation is you need to talk to somebody. It doesn't have to be specifically an m advisor, but you need to get a sense for the value of your business right now, but more important than the value of the business, that that's just a benchmark understanding the mechanisms and the levers behind the value of your business right now. How do you get to that point? How do you get to that number? It's not as simple as just throwing a multiple of 3 or 3.5 onto the business. Um, There's more involved in in that. While the result might be 3 or 3.5, you have to understand where are buyers going to be excited? Where are they going to be scared with, with the business? What's going to have them pull back? Right now in today's market, we're still seeing a good amount of buy-side activity. Last year, I believe I, I told you there was a bifurcation in the market where weaker businesses were simply not moving as fast as the stronger businesses, which always happens. But during that 2021 rush, we didn't see that bifurcation as much, right? It was, yeah. People were buying anything they could. Yeah at wow. that time, because there was so much money raised with a mandate to go go acquire go, it and buy go, now.
0: Go spend it.
1: Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. So, you know, where would I be if, if uh, I had a business like that right now moving into 2024, having a good assessment of where buyers are going to apply pressure points, how they're going to see your business is more important than ever, because we are seeing good buy side activity. We're going to be right around the same volume uh, that we were the year before. so. That's been steady. The question is, are you going to be a company that is moving fairly quickly, which does happen, or is it going to take you more time to sell or is there more opportune time or do you need to do that work to really get in that that good spot? So the answer is is pretty simple. It's you know take the time to get an analysis done of the business and really assess. Um, If you want to do it on your own, I have a very simple heuristic. Evaluate your risk. Mm-hmm. and identify the solutions for the risk. Identify realistic growth paths. Don't just, you know, it's not not a wish and a prayer. It's if I were to triple this business over the next few years, what would I do? And how realistic is that? And how much of a lift is that? Mm-hmm. Work on the transferability of the, the business, so SLPs, and lastly, the documentation. Make sure everything's clean. Go through that exercise, and that should help you identify what a buyer will look like.
0: Do buyers ask for specific do they get into the weeds on specific technologies? Like, I'm looking for this platform and you know this set of tools and <laughs> this set of integrations. Do you ever get into that sort of detail?
1: It, it would be pretty uncommon to get into that level of detail. You might have it with somebody who deems themselves to be an expert in a particular platform, mm-hmm. and they know that they're going to bring a strength to somebody else's weakness. So the tech setup can be a drawback if it's too obscure of a tech setup, uh, too, mm-hmm. too obscure of a tech stack, or it looks to be too difficult to support. So that could be a drawback where it would be more difficult to find buyers. But as long as you're on a major platform that's well supported, it does not have a significant impact on the value of the business. We don't see a lot of buyers that are specifically looking for this one tech stack. It would be too little selection for a buyer
0: to find that. To switch gears briefly, say a listener to this is, actually in the acquisition mode, wants to bolt on some businesses, some e-commerce businesses to what he's already doing. Is there funding available for that sort of thing? There is.
1: We're still seeing a good percentage of our deals happen with outside funding. Mm -hmm. It's there. Uh, It's no mystery that rates are higher. The Mm -hmm. cost of capital is increased. But banks are looking to continue to, to do deals. Over the last year, um, or this this year so far, around 17% of our deals have come through SBA financing. Hmm. So they are happening.
0: Yeah, so looking forward to looking at 2024, uh, you've alluded to 2024. So what's the outlook for e commerce MA next year? More of the same, pretty constant? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: I actually do expect a shift in the market next year. I believe we will see more activity uh, mm. next year than we've seen the past 18 months. Now, keep in mind, anyone listening to this, I am looking into a crystal ball. So <laughs> you, know, right. you, know, you you can call me on it. That's okay. Uh, uh, I don't mind being uh, told I was wrong, uh, but no. uh, I've been wrong plenty in my life. But uh, you develop a sense in this business of dams building, <laughs> and mm-hmm. there there does feel to be a dam building, both on the sell side and on the buy side. A lot of buyers have been sitting on cash, waiting for places to deploy it, and sitting in, you know, saving it because it's provided a really great safe return. But there's a little bit of impatience there, and on the sell side as well, with the decline of the aggregators and that cooling off, and with you know the economy and the uncertainty in the economy that we've had, a lot of sellers have been positioning themselves for an exit. Uh, what we're hearing is a lot of people wanting to go to market in 2024. And so I'm I'm anticipating for things to loosen up a bit and more deals to be happening next year. Now, there's a giant, giant caveat to this, mm-hmm. and that is it is an election year. Mm-hmm. And as we get closer to the election and it comes more and more in the news, things tend to slow down. In the past, I've seen this with midterms and especially with presidential elections, mm-hmm. um, but that's really in the months just leading up. So this year, I, I would anticipate July through November, obviously, Crescendoing in terms of just the let's wait and see sort of mindset. And it doesn't matter who gets elected afterwards, it almost always just <laughs> loosens up again and people move forward with their lives. Yeah, just kind of uh, <laughs> it yeah.
0: ironic. It's like, okay, that's over with. Yeah. Exactly. Now yeah. we know we can, we can move forward. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. So you and I, Mark, have known each other for a long time, but our listeners may not be familiar with Quiet Light. Give us a rundown on. your firm, what you do, that sort of thing. You're the founder of Quiet Light, which is, of course, a leading e-commerce M&A brokerage.
1: That's right. Yes, I founded Quiet Light in 2007, and a feature of Quiet Light is that all of our advisors, all of our brokers, are former entrepreneurs themselves. They've either bought or sold significant businesses, and that's where they've come from before they joined Quiet Light. That advantage allows us to really. Be able to give our clients that advice because we've literally walked in your shoes before. The advice that we know what you're going through, we understand what you're going through, and hopefully we'll be able to explain why certain things are happening along the process, along the way, in the process Mm -hmm. along the way, and also be able to help you anticipate some of the other issues that we wish we had had (laughs) when we sold if we didn't sell through Quiet Light.
0: Sure, yeah. How many advisors are you up to now?
1: Uh, we have 13 full-time advisors right now. We have a couple of advisors who have been with with the company for a long time, who are in semi-retirement uh, or uh, you know prolonged sabbatical. You know, I still talk to them on a regular basis. They're just not actively taking deals at this time. So, 13 full-time advisors.
0: Wow, 13. That's that's impressive. And the folks that want to reach out, that's. Uh, quietlight.com. Am I remembering that correctly? Quietlight.com. You are remembering that. Okay. That you are remembering.
1: And if anyone wants to reach me, you can reach me at mark at quietlight.com.
0: Okay. Terrific. Anything else that's on your mind that we haven't touched on?
1: No, none of this time. Just, uh, Carrie, thanks again. And it's good as always to talk to you and to anyone listening. Again, if you have questions and just want to talk in general about the market, I love talking about it. So, Please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, if you don't, I'm going to be stuck doing financials for my own business, and I'd <laughs> rather talk about that instead.
0: So, any questions at all? If someone's kind of mulling whether to sell now or sell later, or they can't decide—just any kind of open-ended questions—I assume you're you could you could help them out.
1: one hundred percent, absolutely. Oh. I'd love
0: to. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you, Mark. Thanks, Karen. Mm-hmm. So long.